Welcome to the No-Till Farmer Podcast, brought to you by Yetter Farm Equipment. I'm Michaela Pauchner, Managing Editor at No-Till Farmer. This episode of the podcast is the first in a series you'll hear throughout the year featuring Lauren Steinlogge, a West Union, Iowa no-tiller and no-till farmers 2023 Conservation Ag Operator Fellow. I'm going to be following Lauren throughout the year, illustrating the real-time decision-making needed to make no-till and conservation practices work in real-world conditions. I visited Lauren's farm in early February and quickly saw one of the keys to his farming philosophy, serving as a networker and bringing people together for the benefit of the community. He had a host of special guests at his house that day, including Dave Brandt, who you'll hear from in the coming weeks. But first you're going to hear from Rollin, Lauren's son, about a crisis that became a pivotal day in Lauren's career. Well, I'm Rollin Steinlogge. I live in Waterloo, Iowa, and at a brain injury rehab center because I had brain cancer when I was 12 years old. What's your biggest accomplishment? My biggest accomplishment would be beating cancer. Would mm-hmm. be a big oh, accomplishment because yeah. I wasn't supposed to make it. Well, 2008 was kind of a, the start of everything because I started having eye troubles where my eyes were starting to wander, like go crazy. So we went to the eye doctor in Iowa City and they, they thought it was a loose muscle. They just did the facial CT and thought it was a loose muscle or something. So they went in September and did surgery. Thought they had it all fixed, but by November it already started doing it again. The same thing. January 7th comes around when we go back to school. I woke up with a severe headache that morning and I decided to take some Tylenol and just try going to school. Well, I was back from school by 9.30 that morning because of my headache. And Well, this guy was talking to my dad that day and dad was just telling him that I was home and I had a headache. And and this guy was talking to dad and he's like, I have a question for Alan. And he comes in and asks me a question and He's like, is your headache pushing in or out? And I'm like, well, it feels like it's gonna explode. And so he's like, I hand the phone back to dad and he's like, something like, get your son to the nearest biggest hospital as fast as you can, because there's something wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I still call this guy to this day, my guardian angel. He's the one that saved my life. Because yeah, I, mean, I had within hours of dying. If we were at the I hospital at that time, he would have made it. When we made it down there, we didn't even go to ER or anything. We made it down there in a, what normally takes us about an hour and a half, two hours. We made it down there in what, an hour and 10 minutes? Mm, I said some speed records. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, but necessary in this case. Yeah, yeah, and I got across the skywalk. We parked in a parking ramp and walked across the skywalk and my body, all the crackers and like Gatorade. convulsing convulsing and my body started to shut down and my body was throwing everything up oh my gosh and the guy the maintenance guy there he was working on something with his little electric golf cart that runs through the hospital and stuff and he dumps all his tools off he gets me on that thing and rushes me to emergency surgery because that was pretty much Hmm. i mean it took him my veins were starting to collapse and all that, and the neonatal intensive flight nurse, emergency flight nurses, it took them three hours to stick an IV in my vein. Oh my gosh. And during that, the whole time I, you know, I was cr- confirmed in my church the year that the whole year leading up to this. And I told them the Lord's prayer. I said Jesus was going to bring me through it, no matter what. They were telling me I had a twenty percent chance to make through it, like make it through this surgery, and I'm like. Well, that just gives Jesus an 
percent chance to show his miracles, you know. My faith is what got me through it. Mm-hmm. And and I'm thankful for it every day. But going into surgery, it was like they didn't know if I'd wake up. But I woke up saying, I like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> That's fact. And then it's like they went in and flipped a switch in there from my mom's personality to my dad's personality. Because I used to be more like more reserved and shy, like timid. Hard to believe, I know, right? <laughs> Um, but then we went into, like, I went into telling jokes and someone had sent the game operation down. And so I had that sitting in my window saying, taking applications for the doctors. (laughs) (laughs) They had to play it with me before they could talk, like, or come in with a joke. And, and that's still to this day, they still use that. Cause I was in PICU. This was in PICU and I was like the life of the party up there. Let me tell you. <laughs> there was never a dull moment in the hospital, that's for sure. I never cried, never cried the whole year of 2009. I guarantee there was not one tear shed because I lived my life to the fullest and I did not let this sickness hold me back. I, I literally, like, it's still hard to believe I made it through that without crying or even any negative thought about it, you know? And today I fight depression and anxiety and I don't know how I did it back then, but I wish I still had some of that in me. Like, I I think I do, it's just I gotta find it deep within myself to motivate myself every day. So every day has been a struggle ever since and pretty much. And I've gotten to go on a -A Make-A-Wish to meet Dale Earnhardt Jr. I got to tour the John Deere before I, I was of age. And when we got down there, the head of each department had a gift for me, and we had to have help people help us haul it all home. Oh my gosh! And then the head forklift driver during the tour and stuff, he's like, "Sorry, I didn't make it to the meeting." He pulled us to the side, and he's like, "Sorry, I did not make it to the meeting this morning, but here's my personal company credit card. Go to the gift shop and buy whatever the heck you want." So I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> I didn't spend a lot. You were pretty reserved on it. Yeah, I'm pretty re- I bought a... I'd have bought mo- a tractor, but... <laughs> I, I should have. I, I That's why you needed someone to haul it back for you. you yeah. You bought the tractor. Just one of the many times you've seen the good in people. Sam. Make somebody's day is what we're after. And yeah. It's, it's what Dave did yesterday. We make people's days. Yes. Yeah. What did you do yesterday? <laughs> oh, we surprised Ralph when we went and picked him up. And, uh, the shit on me. <laughs> and uh, his aides there at the facility there, I was signing him out, and the ones asked me something, and I was like, yes, it's the guy in the meme. Because he has a meme about Dave. <laughs> yes. You've seen it? Yeah, I have. It, so, it, it ain't much, but it's honest work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Next thing you know, we have, we're having pictures with so, all no, the staff damn. there. Because yeah. they, they couldn't believe it was the guy. And it's like, yes, it's the It's guy. a legend. Yeah. Yes. And I, I tell you what, like, so Dad was part of Ag Talk. 90% of my support was through them. Yes. Wow. Well, that's... When we when we first started going around talking, little known fact is, anytime I had the chance, I would pay attention to people that donated to his mm-hmm. fundraiser that time. I would make sure I had time to go thank people. I mean, a lot a lot of the early interviews I did, you know, if somebody wanted to do an article on us, I would make them agree to do an article on special needs situation or 
like the kids deals and stuff like that they would have mm -hmm. to give some press time to that before we'd do an interview on that so yeah. i'm thinking about bringing that back it, it's a big part of our story early decisions me and brenda had to make through that whole deal was we were never going to let his cancer Hold control our lives you know that that's carried forward you know anytime we see somebody oppressed or something like that that's why we're not afraid to throw ourselves out there and help people mm -hmm. and we know what it's like to be that way. We've seen so many families tore apart, mm -hmm. and you know he told you a little about the the kids in the the ward. You know, there's a lot of times people would feel, you know, people at home would feel sorry for us, and it's like, no, you got to go see the kids down the hall. Yeah. And then at, there, there, you know, what probably one I'll never forget. There was a young kid there. His mother was going to donate something you know she was going to have the surgery and then he was going to be the benefactor of it and received it up. but uh you know that kid's there in the hospital by himself next thing you know we got him in the room playing we we had all the nurses in the room playing we and all that you've seen the impact you can have by just helping people through tough mm -hmm. situations and taking their mind off stuff you know but it, it's just the whole journey has been i mean it's made us who we are today and you know in full circle you know last not this January, but the year before when we were at the no-till conference, I was asked, you know, would I fill in with somebody in Ukraine? We didn't even hesitate. If I can go help them, I'll be there. And, you know, any place, it's not a death wish or anything, but when you see the impact you can have helping people learn, and I won't, I won't say sharing knowledge because I don't feel like I'm as smart as some people think I am, but uh, the ability to help somebody learn from themselves is probably the biggest attribute I offer, I guess. You know, paying attention to detail, helping people make the right connections versus... I, right now I see so many people, ooh, the shiny bell's over here. We got to go that way. We got to go this way. No, just stay down the path yeah. that you believe in. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's how Dave got, you know, and it's... I, I can only imagine the years that the criticism and yeah. stuff like that you know because i know the ridicule and you know the the weird looks and all that that we've experienced over the years to now to be the position where we're comfortable where we're at yeah yeah, yeah. you know through his whole deal we learned money money's not the solution but if money you can, can't buy happiness well no. but if you can sit down and figure out how to make something work it's that personal satisfaction of making things work and you know we we've had to do things i've never fathomed over my life i really hope we never see anybody else do that i have to do what we've done but uh when you, you know the meeting we were just in the last two days when you see everything we've been working for coming together before your eyes if we can just keep everybody's head on straight. Yeah. And you also get to the point where you realize egos have right. done a lot more damage than they've ever done good. And okay. that, that's one of the proudest things, you know. I think it was, what year did you get the No-Till Innovator Award, Dave? 16? 16. 2016 was the yeah. first time I was nominated for the No-Till Innovator Award. Yeah. At that point, I had never had time to go to the conference because of his whole story. You know, we were just, everybody asked me how I got to where we were at today. And it's just like, we were focused on survival and doing what we thought was right. And then all of a sudden your peers nominate you for that, that award. award. Yeah. I hadn't a clue how, what happens at that event. Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to go, you know, the year he got sick, I was coming to the conference the first time. Yeah. Never had the chance because we were in the hospital. Yeah. You know, it's it just them things you never forget.
but you know how we saw the world pitch in and to help us yeah. It, yeah. it's pretty humbling and you know i see a lot of the young people coming up right now and it's pretty cool what you see but you also see a lot of the bad it you know the bad i don't want to say the bad in them but you can see the the, 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 the green. you know we, we talked about that yesterday greed, greed is exact words we've seen that you know that's we talked about that yesterday and you know all of a sudden they start seeing the dollar figures and that and they just they do it for the, the fame and the fortune but yep. you know i'll go back to 2016 there it was in indianapolis and that was the year i started figuring out people are paying attention what we're doing mm-hmm. yet we left indy that day and i told my wife if any of this starts changing me, shoot me. <laughs> She's pretty good aiming. I ain't dead yet. So. But, you know, it's just, we don't do what we do for the fame and fortune. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've took a lot of heat for some of that, I guess. And I just, you know, staying sound and true to what you believe in is probably the most critical thing I look for in people. I see a lot of people right now, they want to impress everybody what what they know, how they know it. You know, if if you ever been invited to my peer group, the first thing you figure out quick, and you know, right on the headline of the peer group, we talk about it. You know, I don't care how many acres you farm, I don't care what equipment you got. We talk about common sense things. Yeah. Well, Your like- knowledge will show. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment. Yetter is your answer for success in the face of ever-changing crop production challenges. Yetter offers a full lineup of planter attachments like row cleaners, closing wheels, and planter-mounted fertilizer equipment. And check out Yetter's highly popular stock devastators, cover crop rollers, and strip-till equipment. Yetter products help you maximize your inputs, save you time, and deliver a return on your investment. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Now let's get back to the conversation. I'm a farmer. I'm proud of it. I'm mm-hmm. proud of what we've always been able to do, but it, it all comes down to the the contact or the, the people we've been able to work with over the years. When you and, think about like a root system, how a good root system reaches out and grabs different nutrients from diff- like different bits of knowledge from this place, this place. I mean, our network of people is like our root system, what hold us together, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like grabbing bits of knowledge from his brain, grabbing mm-hmm. bits of knowledge from his brain. And and when you join together as a team to build, like what they're doing right now with that soil health thing, that, that, that takes a lot of brain power and will, like motivation to do that. Bigger picture. Yeah. yeah. I mean that that's what we're, we're yeah always, he's a, yeah we're always looking at the bigger picture trying right. to figure out you know I'm just you know the last two days I sat in awe of the, the people we were with and you know I told Dave on the way home last night I think I held my own yeah <laughs> <laughs> and like I said that that's all I ever cared to do is hold my own and <clears throat> help people learn. And, you know, right now, you know, the minute it seems the minute some people start getting a little attention, the fame and fortune kicks in and I worry about them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know the minute, you know, Brenda's went to with me for quite a few of the events, but now all of a sudden we're hitting the next frontier of life and the grandkids kind of take a little priority. So she's not with me as much and people notice that. Mm-hmm. 
No different than the first time Dave and Kendra showed up here. When Dave Brent shows up on your farm. That's pretty. He's like the godfather. <laughs> it's like. You know, he's like granddaddy of all. I think we've had a pretty good relationship, relationship ever since. since yeah. And, you know, and, yeah. I think I think the ultimate high was this summer when we I got promoted to brother status. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very nice. yeah, and, uh, yeah. But he's people, like my uncle. Yeah. yeah. You know, pe people don't understand it's them little things that drive us. Yeah. And uh, you know, over the years we've been able to accomplish a lot of cool stuff, but it, it's paying attention, learning from them little instances, the details, and that's what I'm worried right now. You know, I'm very comfortable not, you know. I'll go back to Sarah Singla. Mm -hmm. You know, I had the chance to speak behind her one time, and I walked on stage and I was like, "Apologize, folks. You might be able to understand her better than you'll ever be able to understand me." Yeah, no. She's she, French. She she's spoke a, better English than I, I'll yeah. ever speak. Take that all the way forward. We were fortunate enough in our travels. We got to go right to her home farm and all that. And that's this one of those instances when you walk onto her property. And you, we went all the way down to the lake, and you could walk to the fence line and see the difference. Mm -hmm. Management makes a difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could stand on the fence line, grab a handful of that soil, and grab a handful of that soil. And That's management. It's nothing, no fancy, anything fancy. It's just, man, it comes down to the mindset and the management. The whole mindset I would say we're in right now, mm -hmm. that, that's... Everybody wants to buy something to make things easier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've got to take your time and reason it out. And as we're out there speaking, people think Dave and I have all the answers. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, one of, the, one of the first criticisms I got from a friend when we were first starting to hit the road speaking a lot is he's like, why the heck are you out there telling everybody exactly what you're going to do on your farm? I can guarantee it's not going to work. You know, if they don't take it and internalize it, probably the best asset I ever acquired was the ability to have the answer before the question's asked. Now think about that. The brain never stops. Mm -hmm. Every time I'm in the field or in looking at a crop, I'm always trying to figure out what's next. When I'm running equipment, I'm constantly trying to figure out how can I make that better? You know, I've, I've described it in the past. If I put my mind to it, I can see fluid motion. I'll just look at a piece of equipment, I'll start staring at it and studying it, and I can see how the soil's gonna react around that piece. But when you start understanding how the soil's gonna flow and stuff like that, and what really compounds it is, the deeper we get into the system, it's constantly changing. So you've got to, you know, adjust. you hear people say, you know, we're doing this. I'm like, well, what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's them intricate little details of never getting a close enough mind where we did it this, you know, we've, we all say it. We've always done it this way. We're going to keep doing it this, this way. way. Yeah. And a lot of us say we're going to change that. But I've also seen over the years, we get sedentary. The minute we get comfortable, and I mean, I've, I've felt it the last couple of years myself as my health has faltered a little bit here. It's easy to settle into plan A. You know, and Rick and I a lot talk about, you know, we've got, we get into the small alphabet every year. You know, we don't only have the large letters, we got the small letters. And I'm going to say there's a few years we probably got into the numbers. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's them 
them constant adjustments we're not afraid to make mm -hmm. is why some of us can make it work and some can't. You, you know, and you try to factor that with, I'm not saying that to be arrogant. It's just, I enjoy getting called in to help people that can't make it work and then go there and just sit down and reason it. And, you know, the first thing I tell them right off the bat, we might hurt some feelings today because a lot of people have that hard time admitting that they failed. Mm -hmm. You know, pride goes out the window if you really want to make this work. You know, that's, that's the fun part where we're at, I guess I would say. Yep. And, uh, you know, just seeing that glimmer of somebody that gets a little bit of hope. Hey, we can do this. But then we also try to back it up. Well, if that didn't work, call us before it's too late. You know, because recognizing success and failure is another deciding factor, I would say. You know, it's them incremental gains where you're going to start seeing things. You know, right now there's an awful lot of people shooting for the Holy Grail. I don't think any of us truly know what that is yet. No. You know, I'll, I'll go back to, you know, a lot of the field events we've hosted on farm. When you get comfortable showing people things going wrong, you can show them a lot easier what's right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there, there's been instances, and I would say that's probably why we have a hard time growing sponsors for a lot of our We're events good, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I'll, I'll try, to, you know, the first time we got comfortable with that, we, we did hybrid rye. And where we agreed to do the plot just looked horrendous for their hybrid rye. And I tried to tell the people, hey, we shouldn't even go to the field that day. You know, let's just show people where the field is. The other end of the field looks phenomenal. Let's go there. But, you know, the place we were going to do it, we had the hybrid rye, we had oats, we had barley, we had plenty of stuff to show them there. But the hybrid rye was terrible. And I said, let's not even focus on a hybrid rye. You know, let's bring them back to the barn. They can do their PowerPoint and all that. It'll look good, but nope. We, you know, too many rigid minds getting the mindset, you know, we got to do it. And we, we, we did through it. And, you know, and as I introduced the guy, I said, How, what you guys see here, right here, is not representative of the company or the product. You know, and we, we, we did very good that day, I thought, but we learned from, you know, and we could show people what not to do. You know, now, last year again, we had the hybrid rye in that. We learned a lot more. They learned a lot more. This, you know, this year we could showcase things, you know. That, but then on the flip side, you know, our, some of our organic testing and that, you know, everybody thinks that's easy, but we're pretty good at failing there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the scary part is we've seen two, 200 bushel naked corn, zero inputs. It can be done. Can we scale it yet? No. no. You know, and that, that's probably a term, you know, that gets misused or misnomered, you know. I just had that conversation a week or two ago with some of the young people we were with down at Des Moines there. And uh, we talked about scalability. They're like, in your mind, what's scale, you know, scalable? Because these are young farmers trying to make it go. And I, I looked at them point blank. I said, I've seen people make more money on an acre than I've seen on a thousand acres or a hundred thousand acres. So it's not exactly size, but it goes back to what I mentioned about in our peer group. It's the knowledge and the sharing and, you know, can you make a living on that? If you can make a living on it, to me, that's scalable. Mm -hmm. Through his, Rollins' whole deal there, we were, we, we know the ups and downs of farming. And, you know, at, at, <clears throat> at our peak, we were pushing close to 2,500 acres and Probably one of the hardest things to swallow is through his deals, the vultures started circling and within two years we were down to 600 acres. Nothing we did wrong. 
I see a lot of people get bitter about stuff like that, but I looked at the optimistic side and that's when I started realizing, you know, they went after our poorest ground. We're left with the best ground we got. I just need to figure out how to make a better, be a better farmer. You know, the future for, for Flolo Farms, I'd, you know, the daughters have both made it known that they want to come in here and take over the farm. I'm waiting for that. I'm looking forward to that. Is it going to happen the way I want it? No. You know, we've had to adjust and overcome a lot. You know, and I've talked about it in public, you know, with the son-in-laws and that. They both come from very strong, successful careers. You know, one of them is very, part of a very successful farming operation. Very conventional. I think that's helped me become a better person, realizing that we can't be so black and white. Yeah. You know, when we're out there talking, the people we're trying to help, I hear a lot of people hurt. You know, because they'll come right out and say, that's wrong. No. A lot of us were there once upon a time. Mm-hmm. You know, let's figure out what we did wrong, why we changed, you know, we got to look back at ourselves and figure out why we changed. You know, for me personally, that's helped me speak to the son-in-law's family better and helping them. You know, because if I had said what I wanted to say early in the game, some of the things I see on happening, probably wouldn't be talking with them. Thanks to Lauren and Rollins Steinlogge and Dave Brandt for today's conversation. You'll hear more from Lauren and Dave's conversation later this month. All episodes and transcripts of each episode are available at no-tillfarmer.com slash podcasts. You'll also find some of the previous podcasts we've recorded with Lauren and his guests there too. Many thanks to Getter Farm Equipment for helping to make this No-Till podcast series possible. From all of us here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Michaela Faulkner. Thanks for listening. <laughs>